It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hill driving, accelerating, foul, finishes George Hill with seven straight points for the Jazz. And they lead it 95-18. Plus the foul. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 23rd of November, a huge show. A basketball thought of where the league might be wrong, I share with you for the first time. Plus, we'll do the same thing we did yesterday on defense, on offense. Then we'll look around the NBA, what's going on, look at our playing pair bigs, and all that. On a day before Thanksgiving, locked on jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the jazz. It's Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the morning of, while I record this, and... uh. I, I don't. I won't be doing a show tomorrow, and I I kind of doubt I'm doing a show Friday. Something I have to something I have to change uh, for me to do a show on Friday. So that's uh, as of right now, I'm not planning on it, and so therefore, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you all very much. Very thankful for this audience and and what we have here and what we uh, have been able to build both uh, with your support this year with the network and also just the fact that the, the organization lets us kind of have this fun every day. Uh, so thank you. Thank you to the, to our great organization that I work for. Thank you for you guys for listening. Uh, it makes a huge, huge uh, difference. So cool. Uh, here's what I've got for you today. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Sherlock Intelligence as well as SeatGeek. Sherlock Intelligence is a data capturing company out of uh, Bountiful. Do great work. Uh, helping you compete uh, with your company against the big guys with the data collection. We'll talk more about it, but SherlockIntelligence.com. And then SeatGeek, promo code LOJAZZ, gets you $20 off your first purchase on the app that hopefully you've all used by now. Uh, but, well, if you haven't, then your first purchase is LOJAZZ, and you get $20 uh, off your first purchase. Here, here's what I've got for you today. I, uh, I actually have a thought kind of about what's going on in the NBA uh, where I think – the league's wrong. Now, frankly, I haven't researched it, so I'm just going to share it to you very raw, share it with you very raw, and, and see what you think. And then uh, we'll do the same thing on offense that we did on defense yesterday. It's not as well prepared today. I'll be going through that journey with you a little bit for the first time. And then uh, if we get a chance, we'll look at the playing pair bigs. Um, I did some research on that for us. Uh, and then if we get a chance, we'll look at around the NBA last night because there were some interesting stories uh, and games that took place uh, last night. So that's that's the plan. Thank you very much for tuning in. I, I do appreciate it. If you want to give th- a thankful five stars on any iTunes or Android, uh, it matters. It puts us up on the list. It's a big deal. helps get guests, things of all those kind of kind of sort. So uh, thank you very much uh, if you do do that. Let's go to our pins across the world. You can send me yours this weekend at dlock09 at gmail.com. And this one comes from 
Hornstar Design. Uh, my name is Scott Hatch. I'm from St. Spanish Fork, Utah. I grew up watching uh, the jazz since I can remember. My dad always watched, and I remember cheering and then yelling at the TV like the refs could hear us through it. I always did junior jazz as a kid, went to games up in the nosebleeds when we would go as a team. I remember one time particularly we were sitting up there and Gary Payton had fouled, I believe, Carl Malone. The arena was dead quiet, and the glove was whining about the call when my dad yelled something along the lines of quit being a baby when Gary looked up in disgust and the whole place started laughing. Every kid I grew up with uh, always remembered that and reminded me of it every year. My dad and I were now huge Malone. My dad and I are huge Malone fans. We always seem to find different events uh, for pictures. I now have three kids, one of which will be five December 12th. All she wanted to do for her party is go to a jazz game. She always wears her favorites jerseys and flat bill jazz hats. She watches the games with me every night they're on. If you're not, if, uh, if not, we are listening to the game while driving uh, hearing the play-by-play with you. She has had, she's been to two games last year and can't wait for December 10th for her birthday. Who do we play December 10th? Oh, Sacramento. DeMarcus. That'll be fun. Uh, watch for her. She will have her birthday sign up in Section 12, Row 28, Seats 8 through 12. She's next to me now, excited as I'm writing this to you, and he sends me a cute picture. Um, oh, she might just, maybe she'll be, I might have to download this picture. if you, if if uh, and She might have to be the, she might have to be, she, I, I think she's going to make a, Make her a little that, – that's a pretty awesome little picture. She's, you'll see. You're going to meet her today. She'll be on all the tweets that went out about this show. All right. Uh, let's roll. Here's my thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this as the lead story of the day, and then we'll dig into the, the offensive stuff. So th- this is spurred off. I finally have had some really good basketball conversations with people recently and kind of dug into the season. And it's interesting. There's a lot of teams that are still playing two bigs uh, – we're doing it. Sacramento's doing it a little bit. Uh, we're having great success with it. Memphis is having success with it. I mean, when you look at the numbers, when Favors, and now there's a talent level here that's part of the issue. When Favors and Gobert are on the floor together, not only are we great offensively, but we're great defensively. And so the myth that says you can't score offensively with two bigs on the floor, I, I think needs to be questioned. Um, and there's a lot of areas where we're great when we have favors and Gobert on the floor. Our offense is 111.1. League average is 103.7, so you're blowing that out of the water. Any defense under 100 is incredible. We're 96.3. We're getting 82% of all rebounds, 27% of them on the offensive glass. 82% of all defensive rebounds, 27% of them on the offensive glass. 56% of all rebounds. Uh it, it teams can't shoot against that lineup. They're at forty six point two, and so uh, effective field goal percentage. It, so that lineup works. And, and if you start running through various teams and looking around, you see more of this. This is the research I've got to do. What what we're seeing most often is what we are doing most of the time, which is Rudy Gobert. Uh, now that favors us hurt with Trey Lyles. And if you look at that, we're just distinctly average. Our offense is a little better than average. Our defense isn't very good. And our offensive rebounding is non-existent. Our defensive rebounding is pretty good. It's not great. We're really average. And what I noticed the other night is when Gobert's in the game, you'll see it tonight against Denver, their big is just sitting in the middle of the floor. He's just sitting in the middle of the paint, not guarding Gobert up at all at the top. And so now... Uh, and if Rudy is setting a pick, they're dropping off him. We are getting the good screen assist from Rudy. I think he still leads the league. Uh, but you, there's some level where you're trying to spread, spread the floor there with four guys. 
but you're not really doing it because of the fact that the one guy who can't stretch the floor means that his guy's just clogging the middle. And so kind of no matter who the other four are, the middle's clogged. And the reason teams don't go crazy small is coaches get scared of it. Coaches have said it all the time. Um, Zach Lowe was talking on his podcast, I think it was, with Kevin Arnovitz about how Frank Vogel in Indiana said, well, Paul George might work, but uh, I'd be crazy. And, you know, last year Brad Stevens played Jonas Derebko as center for a while. And so, but I almost wonder if the real answer here is that you should be doing one or the other. You should either be playing two bigs, old school. You've got two guys to set picks. You run in the pick and roll one side of the floor. You flip to the other. Another big comes up, sets another pick. The floor spacing's not great, but the rebounding's unbelievable. The defense is good, and you're really, it's really solid. Or you should just go five wide. I mean, that would be us with, I guess, Trey Lyles as your center because he can spread it. And this is where if you have a Miles Turner or a Carl Anthony Towns or maybe Anthony Davis, maybe not even Miles Turner, you got to be able to put it on the deck a little bit. If you have a big who can shoot the three and handle enough that you can get the size and the spread floor, the width of the floor, well, then you're on to something really special. But what's interesting to me on all of this is I wonder a little bit of whether or not what's happened is we kind of all know what we're supposed to do. We all want to spread the floor, but actually coaches are kind of in a middle ground of comfort instead of actually going as far as they probably should, which is you either are big or you're small. Clippers are fine big. When Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan are on the floor – they're they're really good. And so I think that the myth that's out there, I actually, my feeling right now is I'm going to go see if I can prove this through research. So my hypothesis is that the, we're actually, the league has actually found this kind of comfortable area and that there are still, you know, economic deficiencies or econ- areas where you can make hay uh, on each side of this, that being big is probably not the worst thing ever, and being small is probably uh, not the worst thing ever. Doing a doing a quick scan, and it's it's hard. Our our, our lineup data right now is uh, so in, I mean, so absolutely. You know, there's there's only about twenty lineups that have actually played a hundred minutes uh, right now in the league, and I took a look at those that have. Uh, played 100 minutes in the league. And, and, and it's not, I mean, again, it's just there aren't very many. So the best offensive lineup in the NBA right now that has played 100 uh, minutes, and let me pull that back up for you, you you have some lineups. They're not all these crazy small lineups. Now, the best is James Harden and Houston uh, with their starting lineup. And this is why Houston's going to be crazy good. Now, that's really playing... That's four out, one in. Clint Capello. That's the tr- that's the new in. Number two is the Laker is the Clippers. Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Bob Mute, who doesn't spread the floor at all. Number three is the Warriors. There's some level here where that's just talent, but it's with Zaza Pachulia. Number five is the uh, is the is the uh, Blazers. Starting lineup with Al Farouk, who they're, Amina, who they're really missing. Uh, they finally have an injury. 
Number six is, I would say, a two-big lineup. It's Julius Randle, Timothy Mozgov, and the Lakers. Number seven, by the way, is the Lakers again, but it's their bench unit. That's really worth noting. The Lakers' two different five-man units are the fifth and sixth best offensive units in the NBA. That's why they're a playoff team. Uh, Then you get into seven is kind of traditional Clippers. Eight is the Bulls, who I'd say are playing two bigs with Robin Lopez and Taj Gibson. Nine is the Timberwolves, who are playing two bigs with Gorgie Jang and Carl Anthony Towns. Ten is actually a, is a Phoenix lineup of Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley, so that's out. So of those, you have three or four of the top ten that are two bigs, and then the rest are kind of playing their traditional model. It's interesting. I, I don't, you know, I'll have to look at it some more and see what's going on there. Um, and the ones that aren't working, uh, there's four lineups offensively that really aren't working. They're playing a lot. They're Indiana's starting lineup uh, with Miles Turner, Thaddeus Young. They are San, uh, Oklahoma City's starting lineup. They are Atlanta's starting lineup, and they are Orlando's starting lineup, old starting lineup. Or, no, their new starting lineup, which is just awful and can't score at all. All right. So, anyway, it's just a thought. It might be wrong. I haven't researched it, but it's just a thought, so chew on it, and don't worry about it too much. But, you know, it would be a lot easier for me to do all that research if I used Sherlock Intelligence. Nice sequitur, huh? Sherlock Intelligence is a data company. If you think about it from a Moneyball standpoint, you own a company. You're trying to compete with the big boys. They've got all the data work out there, and you've got to find a way. So let's get more efficient. You hire Sherlock Intelligence. They come in to help the middle-sized or small company, and they, from multiple sources, give you the holistic picture of what your data is doing. Let's be honest. In this day and age, if you don't know your data, it's kind of being negligent. You, you have to know. It's a data age. So who are your customers? What are their patterns? What does this allow you to do to grow your patterns? And Sherlock Intelligence comes in and from multiple sources gives you that holistic picture of what's going on. They then give you a way to visualize it and then help you analyze it so that you can then grow your profits off of that information. It's a great way if you're a middle-sized or small company to compete with the major companies that are out there that have their entire staffs into this. Sherlock's going to come in and do that for you. Then the other thing that's great about it, if you think about it, is if maybe the inefficiency in your marketplace, which is what the Moneyball concept is, is that you're going to take advantage of those things, is that nobody's doing data. Well, then Sherlock comes in, does the data, and you're a huge step ahead of everybody else. Go to SherlockIntelligence.com. Uh, give them a call. See see what they'll, they'll help you out. It's 855-339-7774. That's 855-339-7774. SherlockIntelligence.com. All right, let's take a look, um, as we did yesterday, at uh, the Jazz off. Yesterday we did defense, so today we're going to do offense. And this is where we've had a little bit of a, more of a struggle, and this is probably where the George Hill injury shows up. So the first thing uh, we looked at yesterday is where do we rank with our in our offensive and defense and in the four factors. And then we'll look at uh, our player numbers. Uh, then we'll look at... <clears throat> how we do with players. Then we'll look at our synergy, uh, and then uh, we'll look at some shot location stuff. So uh, right now we're the 13th-ranked offensive team. We're actually 24th at home and 6th on the road, of all weird things. Um, so, you know, actually, us being 13th is not terrible. We're 10th defensively. We're 10th overall. Uh, it does. It's 
We're the 11th best shooting team in the league. We're the 14th best team getting at the free throw line. Um, we now have become the 10th best team at taking care of the ball, uh, which is so much better than it was a year ago. And we're 24th in offensive rebound. We've reduced our offensive rebounding. From the years past, to be able to get back in transition, we're the number one transition team in the league. You know, if you look at us, we're in the four factors, which are how you shoot, whether you put go to the line or put people to the line, turnovers and rebounding. It's the four ways of – we're above average in every single thing except for forcing turnovers and offensive rebounding. One of the – they're basically both by design. So that's a pretty good sign when you look at uh, – when you look at where we are, how we're playing, uh, I was talking to Quinn briefly about this yesterday, and the kind of takeaway I gave to Quinn is it reminds me a little bit of the very first year when early on you could see Quinn's system going in, but the guys were just playing it, but they weren't aggressive. They weren't having an impact on plays. And so they, they were doing everything right, but they weren't impacting plays enough. So if we look at our offensive rating um, and how we are when guys are on and off the floor, interesting, Rudy is... Uh, Rudy and Joe Johnson are the two biggest uh, differences we have on the roster of when we're good offensively or not. So when Rudy's on the floor, we're at a 108, 107, 108, and when he's off the floor, we're at 98. I rounded a little bit there. but So we're 10 points per 100 possessions better offensively when Rudy's on the floor. It's really interesting. Same Joe Johnson, we're 12 points per 100 possessions better when Joe Johnson's on the floor than off the floor offensively. So those two would be big. We're nine points better, really 10 points better, when George Hill is on the floor than off the floor. So Gobert, Johnson, and Hill are the ones that impact that the most. We're a little less good when Favors is on the floor. We're a little less good when Hayward's on the floor offensively. With Rodney Hood, we're... Seven points better per 100 possessions when Rodney Hood's on the floor offensively. When Shelvin Max on the floor, we're about three points less good. When Joe Ingles is on the floor, we're actually two points less good. When Boris is on the floor, we're a point less. When Trey Lyles is on the floor offensively, we are 12 points less good per 100 possessions. We're a 90... Actually, that's not right. 11 points. We're a 90... Nine when he's on the floor and a 110 when he's off the floor. When Dante Exum is on the floor, we are uh, a 96 offensively, which is not good, and we're a 112 when he's off the floor. So that's that's not great. Uh, Jeff Withy, we're two points less good when he's on the floor. I'm curious here for a second. To look at the last five games. So this is our four-game losing streak plus a win. Um, See how long this takes to pull up. Here we go. Over the last five games, uh, this is interesting. Let's see. With Gobert, we're better offensively when he's off the floor. When Hayward's on the – we're 16 points per 100 possessions better when Hayward's off the floor right now. Favors – has played 27 minutes of that, so it's not a very good sample. With Shelvin Mack, we're 11 points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor than when he's off. So, you know, people have wondered, why is Shelvin playing over Dante? Why is Shelvin playing over Howell? Because off, we're not good defensively when he's on the floor, but offensively we're, we're far better. Uh, when Dante's on the floor over the last five games, not so George Hill's out of the mix here, it's, we're still 6.5 points better when he's off the floor than on the floor. 
Uh, Joe's plus two offensively. Trey Lyles is a little closer recently uh, when, without favors being around. We're four points better when Rodney Hood is off the floor than on the floor, so that's interesting. Same thing with Gordon was really uh, – Boris, we're six points better when he's off the floor. Joe Ingles, we're eight points better when he's on the floor. Don't know what I just found there. It was just kind of worth taking a quick scan. So let's look at our lineups, our five-man lineup data of – uh, what has offensively where we where we've struggled? I'll just I'm going to take a negative here and just look at the ones uh, where we've struggled. So the starting lineup we're playing until George Hill gets back with Dante, Rodney, Gordon, Trey Lyles, and Rudy Gobert can't score. Uh, their offensive rating is a 91.9 in 37 minutes over five games. That's probably why Rodney and <clears throat> Gordon's numbers are so bad. Uh, here's another one that's having a hard time scoring. And this one is Dante starting in place of George Hill, and suddenly we don't score at 92 points. Uh, the next one is starting lineup, but Trey Lyles in for George Hill. This has only played 18 minutes, but that one scores at 88 points per 100 possessions. Uh, Dante with Gordon, Rodney, Rudy, and Boris has only played one game, 17 minutes together, and it had a hard time scoring. Uh, our peak scoring is George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, Derek Favors, and Rudy Gobert. So Gordon out on that one uh, with 121. Uh, Shelvin Mack, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, Trey Lyles, Derek Favors in five games was really torching it. Not a very big sample size. Uh, George Hill, Joe Ingles, Joe Johnson, Rodney Hood, so small with Joe and Rudy. That's That's been great. And then our starting lineup with... George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, and Rudy Gobert actually scored at a really high rate. So uh, give Joe credit. He seems to have a really positive uh, impact on some of these things. All right, let's go to team shooting is the next one. And so what we're looking at here is shot areas and uh, the such. Give me one second. I actually need to update these numbers. Uh, thanks to John Schumann, who's the NBA.com writer, has given me all these uh, wonderful pivot tables. If you, I didn't know what they were before on Excel. That lets us lets me update things and look at it. Uh, for those who are not uh, well, have not heard this before. The key on all of this is where you shoot. So your restricted area is 1.2 points per shot. Your paint non-restricted area is 0.8 points per shot. Your mid-range is a little less than that at 0.8 points per shot. Uh, 0.79. Your corner three is 1.14, and your above the break three is 1.03. So your best shot is in the restricted area. Your second best uh, shot is a corner three. Your next best is above the break three. Then the two mid-range shots are pretty far uh, drops. Uh, from that, so and actually, your best is going to the free throw line, one point five points. All right, so the Jazz are take are the six best shooters in the restricted area. We're the third best shooter in the paint non restricted area. That might we're a little high there. That's probably got to regress to the mean. In the mid range, we rank twenty fourth. Despite Rodney's good, we're actually not very good in the mid range. We're shooting thirty five point eight percent in the mid range. Um, that's interesting. That's really bad. Uh, so we're at point seven points per shot in the mid-range. Woo! Every mid-range shot, we should cringe. Corner three, we're 23rd in the league in shooting at 34.4%. And above the break three, we're at 13th. So uh, that wasn't great along the way there. So now let's look at uh, how often we get some of these shots. We're 19th in the league at getting shots at the rim. You'd like to be above average there. We are 18th in the league at taking mid-range shots. That's 
we'd probably rather be a little less there. We're 10th in the league at getting threes, and we're 10th in the league at getting corner threes. So that's good. We're dead even in the league on whether we take smart shots. We're 15th in the league at smart shots at 63% uh, overall. So, we're, you know, our offense is seemingly average and we're taking average shots right now. So we have, we're not, we're not doing anything offensively, particularly on one side or the other. Uh, we are, as we've talked about a lot, uh, the slowest pace team in the league. Uh, I think it helps in some other aspects. I don't think it helps us offensively necessarily. We run some great stuff and a lot of it takes a long time, uh, to get into. And so I think that's, uh, kind of who we are. Uh, if we were to look at the shot clock Possessions in the final four seconds of the shot clock. Dallas is taking more than we are at 10.5, and we're at 9.5. And then Sacramento is next after that. If you go to the 4-7 to on the shot clock, uh, we're third this year. Memphis is first. Dallas is second. And we are are third, so pretty considerably uh, down in that area. Uh, the one thing is the 18 to 22 range where you really are popping something early. We're second to last us in San Antonio. Uh, get the least of that. And even the 15 to 18 range were the fourth fewest uh, possessions. That's where I think Quinn would like to up it. And I would think that maybe with George Hill on the floor, uh, we would we do increase that a little bit. Uh, the last thing to look at offensively, if you're not totally dead bored, at this point, is our synergy uh, stuff. So give me a second, and I'll take a look at where we are offensively in certain play types. And then we're then we've wrapped up the deep dig on the offense. And then for Thanksgiving dinner, you can bore every in-law in the world you'd like to uh, with all of this data and information, and just completely uh, crush you know crush their soul. Uh, we are 16th in the league in the bo- last four seconds of the shot clock. Um, we're actually pretty good in transition. We've always looked at it. We're the number two team in the league on sideline out-of-bounds plays. So Quinn's sideline out-of-bounds plays have always been good. We've always struggled on uh, end line out-of-bounds. Uh, we're 18th in the league after timeouts right now. Uh, we are the third best team in the league. Pick and roll ball handler takes the shot. Our middle of the pack on spot-ups. We're a very good isolation team. Probably Joe and Rodney are as good as anyone in the league. We'll look at that in a second. We're middle of the pack, hitting our pick and roll, man. We're pretty good post-up. Actually, our numbers are really good on post-up. We just do it very rarely. We're at 48%, which by the time you get in the late in the shot clock is probably pretty good. All right. Uh, Unguarded un- catch and shoot, we don't do it particularly, but we're the third best team in the league. On unguarded catch and shoot, we're 26 in the league. So that, I would think, comes back. That's Gordon. Not being able to make shots right now. Uh, I, that'll come back around. All right, so on spot-ups, Rodney Hood is 92nd percentile. Joe Johnson's 91st percentile. Uh, and George Hill's best in the league. He was 9 of 17 on spot-ups, really could shoot it. Gordon is in the bottom 10, is right at 11th percentile. So he's I mean, we, he's 5 of 23 on spot-ups right now. Just doesn't, you know, I, my, I don't think he's, Pain free, so I think my theory on this is when you have this big a drop, is that he must be getting some sort of shot of pain every time he goes through. It's making him flinch just ever so slightly, and that makes the ball go off. Trey Lyles is twenty uh, fifth percentile. That's that's obviously going to hopefully improve. Pick and roll ball handler uh, right now. George Hill was in the ninety first percentile. <clears throat> Joe Johnson's in the eighty ninth. Rodney Hood is not actually as good as I thought. He's in the sixty fourth. So that's off from where he was last year. 
Uh, Gordon's actually pretty good on this. He's in the 75th percentile. Shelvin Max in the 46th uh, along the way. And anything else? Isolation. Rodney last year was in the top of the league. He's down a little bit. He's 9 of 23 on isolations for 39%. Joe Johnson's at 40%. Gordon's uh, 5 of 13, so all of them are right around the same. The Jazz are actually 6th best in the league. It just tells you how bad isolation is uh, generally, part of the reason is because uh, Gordon's getting fouled 19% of his isolation plays, so that's helping him out a little bit. All right, that I think is the deep dig on the uh, offense. I was going to give you just a quick, you know, impact of favors injury playing pair stuff uh, and and then wrap it up. Uh, by the way, today's show is uh, uh, brought to you by SeatGeek, and SeatGeek uh, gives you a chance for whatever event it is you want to go to. Use the promo code LOCKED. Excuse me, use the promo code LOJAZZ, and you will get yourself a $20 rebate. So SeatGeek compiles all of the tickets from everywhere around and gives you the best uh, – so you don't have to search multiple places. So, like, let's say you're going to the Utah State-BYU game uh, this Saturday and you want a ticket. Well, that's not an easy one to get. And so you go to SeatGeek, and then you look. Now, all right, I – they show you the stadium. I'd like to sit in between the end zones. And here you see Section 31 has a ticket for $27, and that's a 98 ticket score. So that's an incredible deal. You can get to the game for $27. In fact, it matters if you buy two of those and you then put in your LO Jazz promo code, you're going to get to those two games. You're going to get those tickets instead of paying 54 you're going to get them for $34 because you're getting $20 back. That's a pretty darn good night at the BYU football game on Saturday. So LOJAZZ is your promo code. So download the SeatGeek app, go to settings where it says promo code, enter LOJAZZ, and then head out to whatever game uh, you want. But there are some, there's a bunch of amazing deals. So what they have is they have a ticket score over here that shows me at 98, 98, 98, 99. So there's a bunch of really well-priced tickets to that BYU uh, game. Now, if you want to go to the Warrior, you know, the Tim McGraw concert coming up, you can do the same thing, and it gives you the same ticket prices, and you look at it uh, and all that. If you're going to be on the road and you want to see the Jazz somewhere, uh, you can do that as well. So go to SeatGeek and download uh, the SeatGeek app. Or go to the Play Store or Android Store. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the promo code, enter the promo code LOJAZZ. You get $20 back on your first purchase, and uh, it's, it's the easiest, simplest uh, way to do these things. All right, let's take a look uh, at those playing bear bigs. Uh, ooh, ooh, phew, I thought the computer had just shut down. Uh, favors and uh, Gobert have played the most, and they're plus 15 for 100 possessions. They're great. The next most commonly played is Gobert and Lyles, and they're minus one. The next common is Lyles and Favors, and they're minus three. You know, we have high hopes for Trey. I do too, but he's a second-year, 21-year-old player, and it's evident in some of these numbers. Uh, the next group that has played the most is Boris Dion, Rudy Gobert. They're plus one. The next group is Trey Lyles and Jeff Withy, and they are minus 20. This is where the injury to Derek kicks in. Like It's hard to get through a game and never play that combo. As much as the guys who build the Lions for Quinn – We'll, we'll look at it, and you know, pre-game, what they do is they go through their whole rotation and try to see what they can do and how they can. You know, game changes it, but they they very very much have a plan every time they go in on how they're going to do this and trying to avoid certain matchups and looking and saying, oh gosh, we don't want those. They do it. It just doesn't always happen to work out that way. Every other group has played, you know, twelve, seventeen, eight minutes, so it's a really hard. Uh, there's no data there uh, of any 
of any value. All right, let's take a look at the NBA scoreboard last night. There were some interesting things that took place. Uh, the biggest takeaway uh, last night, well, I think there's probably two, um, maybe three. Actually, every game, there were four games last night. Actually, three of the four, four of four have a really big takeaway. So let's hit them. Uh, the Knicks Blazers, Blazers fall last night. They go to eight and eight. They're, they've played nine of their 16 games on the road. They just are not defending. They are as of last night's last check, they were last in the NBA in in defense. And the this last night might sum up my whole theory as much as anything. There just are not a lot of terrible teams. So the Knicks aren't great, but they're also not terrible. They're seven and seven. They're six and two at home. You know they're going to get you if you're not careful. And uh, Portland is now 29th in the league defensively. The Knicks are 20. Seventh, so you would have thought Portland would have had a bigger day. Dame had twenty-two, McCollum at sixteen, uh, and they just—they're just struggling a little bit. I'm trying to figure out who they are. Uh, Evan Turner was minus sixteen last night. He is not helping them uh, at all. Kuzminskis uh, uh, for the Knicks is becoming a nice little player for them. Uh, stretch four comes in. Porzingis had thirty-one in that game. Uh, the Pelicans are three and zero, by the way, since Drew Holiday came back. They are suddenly five and ten, and working their way back in this. Drew Holiday played twenty seven minutes, was plus thirteen. Uh, the Hawks were just dead in the water last night. I don't know, Mike Budenholzer. They fell behind thirty four fourteen, and he just he didn't he hardly play there. His guys last night. I don't know um, what happened uh, with them. They they've been playing so well. Worth noting, Kyle Korver's back this year. He's shooting forty four percent from three, taking five a game. Uh, Atlanta goes to six and five, nine and five, but the story there really is that suddenly uh, New Orleans is playing well. Uh, Denver got a really good win late game. They've struggled late games. They got a late game win on a questionable call over Chicago. <laughs> I'm not sure I like Chicago with Rajon Rondo on the floor. I liked them more the way uh, they were playing when we saw them. Uh, I, I think that's a less that's a less good team with Rajon Rondo because the ball is out of the hands of uh, Butler and Wade. As much, I'd have to dig into the plus minus. Jamal Murray was great again. 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists last night uh, for Jamal Murray. The kid is rolling since he started the year 0 for 17. He's shooting 50% from 3 over about 46 attempts. And he can really fill it up, and he's become an off-the-bench scorer. And they, the Gary Harrison injury is going to be uh, golden for them because it's given him this opportunity uh, to get rolling. And then the final one last night is the Lakers in Oklahoma City. And we talked about it a little bit earlier in the program. The Lakers have two of the best offensive units in the NBA. They are putting out 48 minutes of really, really good guard play. Now, D'Angelo Russell didn't play last night. Uh, and they still got this win against Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City goes to 8-7. and seven. Lakers are 8-7. I, I think this win right here shows you that these two teams are just going to battle for playoff. Not a lot of defense played in this game. Uh, the defensive ratings and offensive ratings were all over 110. Uh, but one thing on the Thunder is Sabonis is shooting 43%, 40% from three, but his, his shot attempts are just uh, kind of fading at 10 the other night and went three for 10. Once he's every time he ups his shot attempts, went three for nine against Brooklyn and three for ten against Indiana, uh, then his efficiency goes way down, and so he's a little bit of a non-shooter when he's on the floor, which is hard for them. But I guess with Russell, uh, but that's just you know the burden on Russell is is incredible right now. 
uh, on that team. Uh, you'll like this. In 19 minutes last night, Ennis was minus 16. That's hard to do. All right, so that kind of wraps up the look at the four games, which I all thought had takeaways, primarily that the Lakers just I – think, I, think I think it's real. Uh, I have for a while, though. I think everybody kind of is, is feeling that along the way. All right, that wraps up the show today. I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show has been brought to you by uh, our friends at Sherlock Intelligence. They do great work out in Battleful. Check them out at SherlockIntelligence.com. Uh, and of SeatGeek, promo code L-O-Jazz. Have a great day. Appreciate it very much. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.